0: Welcome to Anime Echoes, we'll be going through the 8th verse of the ninth novel for Boogie Pop Wicked, Embryo Eruption. So we learn about a lady named Kakazaki Mineo. The rundown is pretty tragic, she's in a workplace relationship with a guy, and on the day he proposed was the day she also realised that she was pregnant, but she didn't tell him and she cried a lot in that moment. But just a week later, he would die in a traffic accident. And then she would also have a miscarriage. So a lot of horrible things. The driver of the accident was dead. So she had no one to direct her anger at. No one she could blame. They weren't alive either. Um, and she couldn't go back to work. That was way too painful without him. So the days go by and she tends to be pretty sullen. She keeps herself busy by cleaning things and stuff like that. There's a moment where um, like the normal toothbrush she buys is out and she settles for something else. I think this moment is supposed to say, or showcase just how little she cares, kind of subtly. And that's, um, and that's when we run into her with Akiko. After a small back and forth between the two, Akiko finally gets out what she wants to say to the lady, to Mineo. That she sees death in her, and that she's lost her reason for living. Akiko can see that with her powers. Mineo finally gets more honest. She asks herself, Why is she alive when both her lover and her baby are gone? It's implied that she's been bottling up her feelings about this for some time. All the tidying was just a distraction to not feel her feelings. She used um, habit as a means of avoidance. Her lack of care about most things was also her preparing herself to die. She had nothing to live for, didn't care about work at all, and was just tidying things up. Akiko makes it clear to Mineo that how she might actually feel deep down, that perhaps she was trying to get revenge on those who left her behind. That she felt it was cruel that she survived. She had nowhere to direct her anger. The driver was dead, so now it was directed at her loved ones. Akika says that while life is painful, and there are horrible things, at least she can feel sorrow for the life that tried to be born. That she has a responsibility to not be crushed by the weight of her sadness, because otherwise... That's proving that her loved ones only existed to cause her hurt. I think this idea is really interesting and kind of profound. During grief, we might feel completely debilitated. When you feel some sort of loss, you can't help but notice just how bad things are at that moment. But when you go through the motions and after it, you can actually feel grateful that those people were in your life. It's just that during the mourning phase, your heart really is broken. Getting that phase, or getting after that phase... um. After Grief ensures that your perspective changes from one where you're hurting to one where you love those people that were in your life and you appreciate that you were affected by them. Yes, loss hurts, but the fact you felt something when you were with them is worth something. You want to live a life where, you're, where you feel affected by something or someone, even if it hurts. I feel like this whole scene goes into the theme of the value of life. We've danced around it with the embryo, it constantly saying to kill it, um, so that Akiko can transform, but Akiko sees value in the embryo in its current state. In the same way, Mineo doesn't see that her current state of anguish isn't one of no value, that removing herself from the world would only diminish the value of those she loved. She is valuable even when she is grieving. Mineo also lets out all of her emotions that she had bottled up. She openly expresses her emotions and anger, and the death on her back that Akiko can see disappears. It seems getting in touch with one's emotions actually saved Minair from death. That emotions themselves have a healing effect. Going back to Kyo Nisan's words, There's a bug inside you that's eating you up inside. I feel like her grief was that bug, her emotions. And getting in touch with that bug helped to see her own value in some way. And that she should perhaps try to move forward. This was a pretty great scene overall. Um, and it was really tense as well. I especially liked how the dialogue flowed from one to another. Akiko felt very awkward, while Mineo felt kind of disturbed. It was an honest conversation, and the emotion and tension was really high all throughout. Like, they are talking about death, after all. Like, it's a, it's a strange interaction as well. Imagine someone walking up to you and telling you that they see death in you. But all of it is um handled in like a pretty tasteful way. So yeah, I really liked it. The next part, Akiko is overwhelmed by what she had to do. That she can't take her powers anymore. Seeing other people's death and feeling responsible for it is too much. It's too much of a burden. It's a lot. She also thinks she got lucky. Mineo had people who loved her. What would she say to someone who didn't have those circumstances? It's too much. Should she have this power that affects um, and makes her in touch with the miracle that is the existence of other people? You know, their life? In the last scene of this verse, we see Mineo meet Boogie Pop. Pop gets information out of her, but Boogiepop implies that this power of Akiko's is something that shouldn't exist. Boogiepop's opinions tend to reflect the opinion of the author. It's an automatic entity, so in many ways it does act as like a mouthpiece of how the world should be or how it works. So I'm curious to see Boogiepop's fleshed out thoughts on why the embryo's power is a threat to the world. Through that, we can actually decipher like what is authentic about the embryo, and what isn't. The next part involved Toru and Kentaro Habara. There's an amazing scene where Toru shows his powers off. He cuts glass in two and then uses liquid to patch it back up. Due to the water surface tension, the glass stuck back together. He saw the weak point which would enable like such a display. Now Habara wants Toru to fight. Says that he won't tell Nagi. Nagi wouldn't be for it at all. In fact, she'd probably never talk to Habara again if she knew. Habara wants him to fight because he knows that in the future, Nagi will be going up up against the Toa organization. If Tora can fight for Tismo, then Habara gains useful information. Also, Habara presses that Orihata Aya is the one who's doing all the real fighting for them. She's the one beside Masaki all this time, right next to the bed he's unconscious on. She hasn't shed a tear, but is with him 24-7. No one else has the capacity to do that. Neither Hibara or Nagi can actually stand to be in the room actually. So Habara also wants to be useful in some way. And the way he's gone about doing that is talking to Toru about fighting Fortissimo. Toru realizes that Habara can basically get whatever outcome he wants in this situation. He doesn't really care all that much if Toru dies. Like you do get the idea that he starts to care more once he tells Toru the location of the blade. And not only that, he tells him to run away that it would be in line with being a samurai to not just die a silly death. This small character change towards Toru comes after Toru shows his worth as far as his character is concerned. There is an underlying mutual respect that is born through this conversation, but it's not like readily apparent. Actually by the end of it, Toru even asks, like why? Like why is everyone so nice to him? I also thought the moment where he looks at the blade was really cool. He saw no weak points on the blade itself, so you know it's pretty perfect. I love the explanation that the sharpness of a blade isn't what counts. Sharp blades dull quickly. What cuts down an enemy is speed. So friction is the principle upon which a sword severs. So sacrificing sharpness of a blade for one with like no weak points is perfect. Now all that's left is for Toru to provide the speed. Toru does believe he has no place to return to. That he's fighting on an uphill battle with no way to come back or nowhere to even go if he did. In the last podcast episode, I mentioned that Toru needs a clean win and loss, otherwise he might go fighting forever. With Toru believing he has no place to return to, I feel like he's still going in the direction of constantly fighting, or like a never-ending fight. He's still using the blade, after all. It's getting really hard to figure out where Toru's story is actually heading. As in, like, we know he's going to fight, but, like, where is his character actually going? I can't really figure out what beating Fortissimo would actually give him other than self-satisfaction. Is that self-satisfaction what he truly wants? Is that what his existence is for? I don't know, but I'm interested to see where the next verse goes. But yeah, this 8th verse was really great. I'm keen to see what happens next. Uh, Once again, I want to thank the Threats to the World team for their translations, and please leave a comment or a like, that would be really appreciated. Follow me on Anime Echoes on Twitter for updates or boogie pop art, and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.